So welcome to the latest episode of the Uncharted Territory podcast, where we discuss, well, today, all we're going to be talking about is challenging experiences, basically. Like, it's not just rainbows and butterflies, psychedelic experiences, and have the pleasure of being joined today by Marie Carrion. Hello, how are you? Very well, yeah. You're a fellow journalist, um, psychonaut, perhaps? Yes, <laughs> well we met we met at denver at this kind of like conscious rave our good friend swati introduced us yes. we kind of like just like stood next to each other and not really talking like kind of waiting for a bus but yeah it turned out that yeah we had a lot in common yes and mutual friends love it and yeah here we are now like there was a lot of criticism not a lot but you know a bit like after the maps conference in denver like maybe there wasn't enough about like challenging experiences and before i started this podcast i was working on a kind of memoir about like a dozen or so experiences that i'd had some some of which had been yeah really tough and as i was writing it it was just a slog like it was good as well to get pen to paper on a lot of this stuff but I was like, wow, this is like a big undertaking, 110,000 word book, especially if I'm not going to get a commission before doing it. And so then I was like, well, maybe like a podcast would be a better idea to kind of, yeah, just get some of my own stories across and bring some other stories from the margins and the mainstream into a whole little bite-sized thing, especially for a UK audience. So yeah, here we are today on the verge on the precipice of yeah discussing this whole big topic i mean where do we even start it's such a massive topic that has so many different layers and so many different perspectives attached to it it's difficult to pinpoint one spot however i think we should start off by talking about what we were just sort of initially talking about before which was the understanding that or at least the common thought that there is good things to be taken parsed out of a terrible, scary, frightening experience on psychedelics. And as you were saying earlier, that you think that there is. And I also think that there is. But I think sometimes, sometimes, not in the right set and setting, it can just be a very scary, terrible experience and people don't know what to do with them. And I think I think we can start there. Yeah, I wrote a piece for psychedelics.com at the beginning of the year on the good part of a bad trip. And yeah, I do think that at, at the very least, even, even in some of the most difficult situations, maybe there can be yeah some illumination of like an issue one might have. But yeah, it's tricky for me. Like I immediately think back to this ceremony I went to in Mexico last year. And yeah, I have to have to admit, like I totally spun out and yeah, then was just kind of gaslighted and really wasn't in a yeah supported environment. We can go into it in a bit more detail afterwards. But I guess like the good part of it to me was just, yeah, revealing that maybe I am very sensitive to potentially like hostile energies and b that yeah maybe there is like some kind of fear or paranoia 
rooted that maybe I haven't addressed. And that was a kind of manifestation of it. But that's not to excuse these motherfuckers. No, definitely not. Especially if gaslighting was involved in this situation, whether they were trying to talk you out of how you were feeling, which I think happens a lot. And that's kind of the vibe that I think many practitioners currently in the in the psychedelic movement, specifically around psychedelic therapy, trying to sort of alter the narrative from this, you know, crazy psychedelic time in the 60s and trying to change their narrative to how it is now, where there's like this safe, safe environment, set and setting, you know, responsible ways of using these psychedelics. I think a lot of people do kind of come at this. There is no bad trips. There's only challenging experiences with a gaslighting kind of tone to it kind of disregarding the fact that like yes bad trips still can happen even if they are even if there is something like a nugget of wisdom that you can take from it there's still it could still was a bad experience like it still wasn't fun it was not that they're supposed to be fun but like still challenging yeah i mean i went to an ayahuasca weekend once in spain and yeah this one girl did have a really hard time and yeah i think she even had like a kind of paranoid reaction which I understand is quite common for folks. I spoke to right. Lior Rosman at Imperial a while back, and he was saying that many people feel like they're being kind of inducted into some kind of cult and have a lot of fears. So, And yeah, maybe that does speak to a society that's become very disconnected from, from each other, I suppose. But then maybe in some cases, these guys are cults. Like, yeah, right. yeah so we were doing totally. this sharing circle and... You know, it's one girl that had a bit difficult time and and the kind of leader, an English guy, we were just having the soup and like sharing and he just kind of picked on her like because he was kind of annoyed that she'd had like a bad time and was just pointing at her and chuckling. And yeah, it wasn't a vibe. Yeah, that, I mean, I don't know. That's not what you should do to somebody who has had a challenging experience ever. This is like a whole new paradigm, though, isn't it? I mean, we we can forget, like, things are moving ahead so quickly. But I even in this, yeah, community landscape of, yeah, psychedelic use and circles and ceremonies, even half of these people haven't been doing it for that long. Like, everyone is still figuring it out in a lot of ways. And I mean, that's why Indigenous knowledge is also yeah, of even greater importance than maybe in other arenas. But the, the whole thing is that, yeah, I think especially people that have already been going through kind of Western mental mental health treatments, they're going to need something even even more perhaps um, of, of a kind of wraparound therapy set after these kinds of experiences through Zoom calls or or, or whatever, right? Right. Well, so in your reporting and just the stuff that you have done, have you noticed or heard anybody talk about um, maybe proper integration, long term integration? Like, are, are there people doing the integration aspect of these ceremonies or psychedelic therapy properly? Do we even know what properly is yet? I know that Rosalind Watts, who was at Imperial, is now doing her own kind of integration like packages um i actually listened in because I, I was with a friend the other day who helped help them do this remote ecstatic dance which seemed pretty cool on on zoom yep. mm -hmm. and 
yeah that sounds really good what they're doing but i mean some of some of these like retreats and and they're you know quite well regarded don't do either don't even do integration or it's like a group integration right, right. when it, it may feel that especially when folks have paid in excess of five six seven thousand dollars to not have like you know a couple of sessions of one-on-one -on -one integration does does seem a little bit tight but yeah i don't know there's no like standard i guess it, it's it's tricky but i think mo most most folks seem to be offering like four five six one-on-one -on -one sessions afterwards and a bit of prep just with like a kind of integration therapist who also maybe hasn't even been doing it that long it's not been a viable profession for long yes absolutely i in the reporting that i've done mostly here domestically in the united states i have not really seen entire programs or i don't know if programs are the right word but um for people receiving psychedelic therapy specifically the integration aspect seems to kind of be lacking i received psychedelic therapy one time for a story and granted that whole experience is going to be different than somebody else who has trauma or is working through issues and going to psychedelic therapy because inherently I am a journalist and I went to that session for a story. So it's inherently going to be different. However, the experience I had, and it was on ketamine, the experience I had was wild. It was uh, not bad. It wasn't a bad experience. It was not enjoyable necessarily either. It was very intense. It was crazy. But the integration aspect was non-existent for me. And that, of course, was only a one-off session. Again, different than how other people are experiencing ketamine-assisted therapy. However, you know, I could have had something happen to me post-experience and I didn't feel cared for in that way. I wanted to talk about the things that I saw, the things that I felt, um, other things. And I kind of didn't really know where to go for that type of support or, you know, try to maximize the experience with everything that I had felt from that session. So I felt a little underwhelmed in that way. And I'm hoping that that's not what other people experience. I hope that people who are, you know, traumatized, people who have experienced tough times in their lives are getting the proper care post psychedelic experience yeah as do i as do i and that's the thing that makes it even more important for there to yeah be something accessible for folks like a sharing circle just doesn't cut it at the end of the weekend at least at least there has to be some kind of ongoing group integration absolutely do you think that people are going to be as honest in a group setting about the things that they saw experienced felt than they would one-on-one -on -one. i mean i just think yeah probably most people won't be uh, right but I some feel, some don't... people probably would actually like would actually like the kind of setting of a group but yeah most people probably would prefer one-on-one -on -one. um especially yeah. someone outside of the retreat because they may also have issues with the people that did the retreat so yeah it's better right. perhaps if if it's like a third party. I think so too. I think so too. I would get more out of a one-on-one -on -one session than being in a group with five or six people, especially if something that came up was, 
you know, one of the very tough experiences that have happened to me in my, in my life, you know, I, that's, it's an, like, despite it being a traumatic experience or my traumatic experiences, it's still an intimate experience. One that I don't like to talk about unless I know you or, you know, have like, understand that you're going to maybe help me if that makes sense. Like, I'm not really going to want to talk about it to a bunch of strangers. Mm -hmm. Totally. I guess like, there's just so many different settings that people are bringing the medicine. Like I heard about these folks that were giving medicine ayahuasca in Ukraine just before the invasion. And we're kind of like traveling around sharing the medicine. Like, wow. I'm not totally sure if they did or they didn't, but I'm guessing they didn't kind of have the framework to be able to provide people kind of ongoing, you know, integration stuff. Cause they were just on, they were just on the road and yeah other people are too and maybe bring going to yeah more disadvantaged areas anywhere in the world and yeah helping people with you know drug dependency mm -hmm. and maybe not even asking for any money so you know in, in that case like yeah is it really imperative that one has provided the integration service or is the most important thing these guys just getting getting the medicine not there's necessarily a, a panacea but it can maybe open open a window of opportunity for for folks to have some introspection or or to just completely rid them of of their you know drugs drug withdrawal symptoms as as in the case of yeah iboga and ibogaine, ibogaine. yeah absolutely you know i think also though with ibogaine and iboga it's you have to have aftercare. You can't go back to the same community of people that you were once living in because you can so easily fall back into the same patterns eventually, even if you're not necessarily feeling withdrawal symptoms, even if you're feeling good, you're feeling great, you're feeling at, you know, that there is change that has happened. You're believing in the future of your life. You're, you know, rejuvenated in so many ways. Going back to the same house, going back to the same room that you used to maybe shoot up in, who knows, or you used to use other drugs in or and going back to the same friends and going back to the same community. Like that still stuff that has to be cared for. You have to implement that change. And I think that having therapy post experience and maybe even like little boosts of the ibogaine afterwards to like kind of help you stay on that same track is very important important so having a one-off experience with someone who's like traveling around and maybe isn't going to be in your area for longer than a week or two is tough it's tough it's a tough it's a tough system yeah it's really tricky i met this guy the other mm -hmm. day and he helps signpost people to the these folks that just send you the ibogaine and then yeah kind yeah. of trips it from afar but it's like this stuff could kill you if you take too much or if, or if you haven't been properly assessed if you have a heart, like a heart issue like yeah like it saved people's lives you know to have a, a person with a defibrillator right there but then it's like well if a lot of these folks are maybe on the verge of yeah overdose like having fatal overdose they would argue i mean this guy did argue that the most important thing is just to get them the medicine as soon as possible Right. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a touch, it's a touchy subject because obviously Ibogaine can help people profoundly. A lot of people approach Ibogaine as well, trying to recorrect a path, 
trying to get back, trying to get their lives together, trying to have a round two of life experiences. Yeah, I just, I, I hope and I worry and I'm concerned just that people are getting the proper care afterwards, truly, because it is, it's, it's a difficult thing for providers to provide to these people for whether that's a medicine person, whether that's a, even a person in Canada who would be, you know, giving people this medicine. Yeah, the first time it's I difficult. read about Iboga was Daniel Pinchbeck's story, the guy who wrote Breaking Open the Head like 20 years ago. And he, so he went out to Gabon to right. do Iboga for, for this magazine called Vibe. And right. apparently he wasn't giving the Nganga, the, the medicine man, the like enough information about the visions he was having. So the guy got annoyed and apparently asked for more money. And then they just felt the vibe kind of shifting. So this guy, Daniel, and his companion just kind of fled when they're in the middle of the medicine. Oh. And I went, went to a hotel room nearby and then just through their contacts found another community that, that they could then go and like kind of finish the ceremony off with. It, wow. It's pretty challenging. That sounds extremely challenging. And yeah, the role of the medicine man, medicine woman, shaman, whomever is facilitating the medicine has such an important role in determining whether somebody has a decent experience, a good experience, a safe experience, or a really challenging experience where you have to flee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that's that's over the top. That is the worst. That's the maybe the worst. So I started, I started fleeing this ceremony in, in Mexico. Stop it. You did. I mean, I'm glad I didn't, to be fair, but I, I, I tried. I mean, basically what happened was I got invited to this ceremony. I'd been avoiding kind of the whole medicine scene there because it just wasn't the most grounded place, let's say, like on the, on the coast of southern Mexico. Right. Um, yes. Yeah. A lot of people traveling very like very like hardly any of them are actually like based there, you know, all year round. And so I was like, all right, sure. You know, I knew I knew the guys. I'd actually taken photos at a retreat of theirs. A little while before and yeah, they're all really all, all seemed really cool. And so get there they're putting the ceremony on and actually it's just one of the guys it's not like the, the three of them and yeah this one girl had brought another two people in to, to assist and from the outset you know it just seemed like they'd only just arrived I mean they were doing it on another friend's land I'd known mm. I'd met him at a kind of men's retreat a while before a really nice guy but yeah there was like a half of peyote like just strewn on his kitchen table which just seemed pretty disrespectful yep and then yeah we went down and yeah we we drank the medicine and i put my like blindfold on and just kind of lied back yeah wanting to just yeah surrender to the first hour or two of the experience in a, in a kind of like introverted way i guess and was this ayahuasca? No, with mushrooms. No. Oh, it was mushrooms. Okay. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't have taken ayahuasca in that setting ever. 
like there's there's a thing there's sometimes a thing with mushrooms where yeah folks maybe don't take it as seriously as as other other medicines but you know if you're doing like four four grams of you know strong strong mushrooms like it's it's the same kind of portal really it maybe doesn't last as long but it's pretty much the same for like two hours or so right um so yeah lied back and then all of a sudden and then all of a sudden this girl comes over and was like can i touch you and i don't know i was like uh yeah it felt like difficult to say no in the moment of course for, for whatever reason um her dulcet tones yeah not not drooly and american at all um very persuasive so yeah she kind of like started doing a kind of reiki on me and it and it actually felt quite good mm-hmm. but i mean it was like half an hour into the ceremony and in my experience you know folks have only kind of would receive that if like way into the ceremony if maybe there was some right. in inverted commas blocked or if they're having a tough time you know if they needed like some support you know without without getting too much into the the supernatural stuff that yeah I'm not totally even even sure about myself and maybe even sometimes raise my eyebrows at absolutely but yeah she got to my neck and yeah by that point it was getting kind of intense I wasn't enjoying it and she got to my neck and she kind of like fell down screaming or like sobbing like kind of sob yelps oh my god and then i was, I was like gosh like felt like someone like just put a wire on my neck I was like, oh. and yeah then you know the the lady who was like master of ceremonies came over and was like pull yourself together you can do this and then went back to my neck and like yeah shifted whatever they brought up or whatever they transferred onto me like oh my god really really wild there's definitely like some yeah let's say energetic transference <laughs> and sure. i mean this can even happen in real life sometimes you just uh, real totally. life like sober life you just you know you <laughs> totally. sat next to someone you feel their you feel their vibe and yeah it's kind of yes heavy or or or, or the opposite if someone's feeling really joyous and absolutely you can just, yeah you can you can catch a vibe so yeah I don't know whose vibe, who who caught, but my neck was kind of hurting. And then another of the helpers had come over by that point. And then once she'd like finished my neck, she was like, shall I go deeper? <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm good. Thanks. And at this point, I was kind of fine. I was like, you know, there's water under the bridge, like no big deal. But the guy whose land it was, was having a really tough time. And they were doing like a full blown exorcism on him, it seemed. Like really trying to like bring something like out, out of him. him. Crazy. And yeah, I watched that for a while, then put my blindfold back on and just lied down. And then the next thing I knew it, it's like, yeah, this girl who's the master of ceremonies just stood stood above me like she's some kind of puppet master. And I could really feel like some stuff like moving inside of me as a result. So I was like, took my blindfold off. I looked up. I was like, what are you doing? And she Seriously. was like, meet me, meet me. So I like stood up, went like, looked at her. I was like, uh, no, I'm not feeling so good right now. I'm going to go. Clambered up this like grassy kind of knoll hill, got into the kitchen, tried to relax there. Wasn't really happening. 
because by that point they had musicians there and the third girl who was like helping on the ceremony was kind of ranting and raving by this point and so I tried to like go into the car park to like get some peace stepped on a bunch of glass like (gasps) totally cut up my foot and you know it was sore for months afterwards and then suddenly this guy's there and I'm, I'm he looks at me I look at him you know he's he's not from the ceremony and he's like he's like hey dude I just came to get my bike I was like all right cool no worries and so he like gets on this motorbike and drives off and then the dude who owns the land comes up and he's like oh, hey dude what happened I was like uh, yeah your neighbor just came and got his bike and he's like what my neighbor he doesn't park his bike here did he take your bike and then he, so he kind of planted the seed that it was my bike and at this point <laughs> I'm like totally tripping like right I'm like really really high and it kind of feels amazing on one level but on the other level it's just like there's all this chaos around me that that right that keeps like enveloping so then yeah no one was sober enough to actually check the car park and see that my bike hadn't been stolen so the so there was that kind of specter looming oh upon us oh my god there's so no then, way to have a good experience with all this going on. This is crazy. Yeah, like that's that's what happens. You know, it wasn't wasn't like a set up place to do to do a ceremony, really. So we go back and we go into the kitchen and they have this little like town council meeting about what to do. And I'm like, look, I think, you know, maybe we're being too loud and some opportunists, you know, just took an opportunity or something. I really I really don't know. And so at that point, all while on four grams i know and it turned out the facilitators had all had two grams each as well which is probably too much for a space holding dose right yes definitely yeah so yeah so i'm appalled (laughs) at this at this point like yeah I, i was obviously not sober so i was even speculating that we hadn't you know respected the land and because people could feel that there was a kind of weird energy at this point mm-hmm. so yeah totally speculated that you know we weren't we weren't doing this in the right way and we needed to kind of reconnect slightly so then the lady like who's like the master of ceremonies invited me down to take charge of the ceremony what? and so i was like and what? she was literally like pushing me down she was literally push, pushing me down to go to do it and so i sat down and i was like you know guys like let's do a group meditation and some some maybe gentle chanting and yeah just bring the energy down because yeah it'd been getting even louder with the music and everything and so we did that for a few minutes and then one or two of the guys just got a bit pissed off, I guess, that I was ruining their ceremony. Oh my God. So then, so then I'm kind of like feeling this hostility and everyone's being really scatty. Like some people keep going up and down to the kitchen. Some people like going to the side into these, into these like bushes and at that point, there's only one thing I could do. So I FaceTimed my mum. Because, yeah, I don't know what exactly had been happening. But I really felt like at that point, 
I felt in danger, like in phys like physical potential danger. And it didn't help that I knew that this land, they tried to do an ecstatic dance there like a few months before. And like, just as the day had been beginning, the cartel arrived and were like, yo, like you even need to let us sell drugs here or pay us, or you don't have this party basically. Wow. So they were like, okay, we, we don't have, we don't have the party. Yeah, I felt like a mortal threat to my life. And I mean, yeah, I won't mince my words. I felt like I was about to be sacrificed over the fire in some sort of ritual, which is just crazy to even consider now looking back. But yeah, pe people have these experiences in, in ceremonies, sadly. So yeah, I thought it would be interesting to talk about. That is the... that probably takes the cake on one of the worst experiences I've ever heard of. That is chaos. Sounds like no one was in control, which is not what you want out of those experiences. Also, not what people are signing up for. I mean, one of the girls was literally stomping around, just screaming, trust me. Some of them were chanting songs and they were doing, they were doing good, but she just went totally off script and was just babbling like, wow, 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 like real like weird hocus pocus no. stuff. Oh God. Wow. I'm so sorry this happened to you. This is like, I mean, this in itself is worth a short story, worth a book. Yes. I fully understand the impetus behind wanting to write something like this and, or, you know, also having a podcast. Yeah. Is, I mean, that is crazy. It was really, it was, it was insane, but lun yeah. lunacy. In some way, in some way, it's kind of my own fault because I knew these guys, you know, even even the three of them that had put on this retreat before, like, yeah, I knew that none of them were really that well trained. And yeah, I kind of fancied the girl like we we'd we'd been seeing each other ish like mm -hmm. the, the, uh, there were sparks. So, yeah, I kind of, yeah got got what i deserved in a way didn't i <laughs> no one deserves that no one deserves that level of chaos on that amount of mushrooms and thinking that it's going to be different and then it turning out to be a tornado of an experience that is crazy so i guess my question for you is now having had that experience like what advice would you give other people to avoid an experience like that well, call your mum if it does happen because <laughs> okay. she did. What did your did, mom say to you? She 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 was just like, it seems like everyone's cool here, Maeve. Like, and I'm sure you've done your research. Yeah, just don't worry. Sit down and <laughs> oh. yeah, take it easy. Which I guess oh. I could have I could have done at any point as well, and eventually I did, and. Yeah, I had to like remind myself that everything was cool, but I just got got in touch with my breath, had some happy, and yeah, eventually, eventually, yeah, did fall asleep, and the guys started playing playing their music again, and yeah, it was pretty much cool. But in the morning, woke up, and there was really no recognition that anything they'd done, you know, was a bit crazy. It was more just me being the one that had flipped out i suppose 
but the thing is is i was i was probably the most just from you know knowing a few of the guys there and hearing a few of the other guys speak and knowing that it was one or two of them's first psychedelic experience it was like i was probably the most experienced person in terms of psychedelic use there not not that that not that saying much but i knew from from the outset that yes maybe i did go a bit over the top like there's aspects to the story that yeah i haven't shared as well like at one point i was really just shouting at them telling them to to be quiet but i mean the, this girl was running around me like blah, blah. like come on are you, are you kidding yeah. me someone had to stand up and stop the madness so totally. i would say like what was the question again well at first i asked you what your mom said but my the first question was what advice would you give others to avoid an experience like this yeah i mean do your research do your research it's, and then it's hard it's hard to do the research it's, yeah, it's I not mean, easy yeah everybody easy. everybody I mean... everybody presents themselves as this official place in mexico that you can go to where you're going to have this experience you're going to have organic food you're going to be sleeping in a nice five thousand dollar bed there's retreat guru there's you know people do reviews on there and yeah you can speak to friends like if you know a friend that's you know gone out somewhere and and done a retreat you can be like yo like well how was that and but yeah like we're in we're in uncharted territory like this Absolutely. whole this whole thing is so new and yeah like especially in mexico like in tulum i just worked on a, on a film about the dark side of psychedelic tourism and it was just like well yeah there's so many stories to choose from sadly like to see to see what folks focused on in the movie there's just a lot of charlatans around so yeah i would say just wait until you find someone that's 110 percent kosher just wait because yeah for like a few weeks i was a little bit like i was dazed yeah. and luckily okay. but luckily i'd had a bunch of experiences previously including ibogaine and after that retreat i was given an integration therapist so i got back in touch with him and we did like a pack of sessions to kind of just make sense of it all really yes that's so good what what do you think how, do, how would you have made it through afterwards i mean i mean yes you might have still been alive but would you have made it through mentally emotionally spiritually without those integration sessions or like what would have happened had you not received those it was just useful exercises so just focus on what i wanted to do in my life really we spoke about it like once like I kind of briefed him on what happened, but he didn't really focus on it so much. He was like, just, yeah. Getting me to think about what, what are my intentions in various like arenas of my life? Like how am I going to do X, Y, and Z? Am I doing my morning routine, like meditation, yoga? Am I doing like gratitude journaling in the evening, which was a real revelation that that was super good so yeah just those kind of practices just having a yeah more happy and more balanced life rather than go really going into the whole like and pathologizing but definitely definitely there's like an aspect of me that maybe has some paranoia so i kind of worked on that a bit more later separately 
Yeah, I have I have so much to say about the paranoia piece, also about how these grounding exercises that it sounds like this integration specialist was helping you with, like grounding afterwards is so critical. I feel like in a chaotic experience, like after a chaotic experience, one that you seemingly had. Um, yeah, uh, there's it's hard for people maybe even if you get the integration, but especially if you don't get the integration to continue to feel paranoid in other in other medicine ceremonies or anytime you take the medicine. In fact, if I didn't if I had had that experience that you had, I probably would hold off on taking anything for a long time so I could just mm -hmm. like regroup regroup my soul. You know? Yeah, I didn't like, I didn't have mushrooms again for like a, a significant dose for like five five or six months and then yeah during that subsequent um retreat yeah on the second night yeah it, it did it did kind of come up right. but yeah one of one of the trip sitters came over and just kind of coaxed me through and yeah I said to connect with my breath and yeah it felt it felt like yeah kind of letting it go but then even I had a microdose like a month or two later. And then one of one of the guys who was at the retreat that I was kind of getting a weird vibe from, like came up in my mind again. And I was like, oh, go away, go away. But he just he just like kept popping up. But yeah, yeah connected more with the breath. And yeah, I guess like now is pretty much faded. And yeah, I That's guess good. I'm in this position now, like, yeah, almost a year later where I'm talking about it like this. And yeah, I think I think it's it's pretty good. I don't think it made any like lasting, like sig big significant kind of effect. But for other for other people, yeah, like, I'm right. sure some other people would never. Some people, some other people wouldn't have had a reaction, such a strong reaction as I did. But other people might have had in like even worse reaction, or it might have actually unearthed some really serious like paranoid schizophrenia or, or something. Absolutely, absolutely. Especially if that was already kind of a you know, pre-existing condition that hasn't really come up before. Like, of course that would, that's yes, of course, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, I can't get over the part where they then looked at you to take over the retreat. That's crazy to like, take over the ceremony aspect. This is, this is, it's too much. It's yeah, too much. no, I mean, she was totally like, out of her depth. She was totally out of her depth and it, it wasn't until like a week or two after like I'd I'd spoken to a, a couple of the guys who were at the retreat, and yeah, maybe they're listening. Like, love you guys. Like, it's all blessed. Um, because I knew everyone, everyone there. Yeah, maybe maybe there were some egos, but everyone there was just trying to figure out their own stuff. And I I don't think there was any genuine kind of malice. I just I just think you know some people might look at mushrooms or other medicines like changa. And yeah, I think, oh, yeah, I can put on a ceremony. But it's only when things go Pete Tong, when they go West, that I think, yeah, the, the dawning realization comes that, oh, shit, yeah, like part of, part of the training that a lot of these people do is, yeah, not just like watching while everything's going good, but kind of de-escalating some intense psychedelic crises and being in a balanced enough place to do that. And also to be in a balanced enough place just to sit at the top of the ceremony and just watch events go past rather than feeling the need to give someone Reiki after half an hour. 
A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think, yes, Reiki would be better much further into an experience than half an hour in. It kind of seems a little creepy half an hour in. I mean, I spoke to some friends about it and they were like, yeah, I would only ever do that if the person asked or right. if it was just astoundingly clear that they did need a bit of like touch to help to help them process whatever they you know were, were working working on and working i know yeah it. i know other people only do it if the person like explicitly asks right not that they're necessarily in like a sober place to ask but yeah if, if that's what they feel they need at the time and it's done in a you know sensible and yeah proper way so crazy wow that is a crazy crazy experience and theoretically this is supposed to be in a certain setting that is you know safe nurturing perhaps you know you go into that experience thinking that the set and setting or at least the setting is going to be taken care of and you knowing just your experiences with psychedelics like you know how to kind of take care of the set your mindset and everything heading into that experience um so it's a it's i can't imagine just how jarring that must have been for other people too to have such a chaos have to have so much chaos erupt in that yeah, time i i thought i thought because this girl did like she had a vibe you know she's a strong woman so i i you know i kind of presumed that yeah things she, were safe she'd had yeah she had everything kind of pretty much sorted out but then yeah she didn't even kind of really take responsibility for how bad it had been until like a week later and i had to speak to a couple of the guys and like kind of lay everything out and only only eventually did they like genuinely come around to being like oh shit and they were like oh yeah like because one of them was playing guitar and yeah it was like yeah i do want to play medicine music and ceremonies and stuff and i feel like this is a really like good path for me right now but yeah i'm going to be a lot more discerning in the future and yeah the other guy pretty much acknowledged that as well but then it it felt like there was a lot of like yeah, I guess they were part of a community, a conscious community, supposedly, living out there. And a lot of them put on their own events and stuff. And I guess there was an element where they didn't want to totally admit to the scale of how shit it was, because then they'd be kind of throwing shade at someone else in the process. So there's all there's this and then and that's like that can go up to the institutional level as well right like absolutely yes not wanting to admit admit mistakes or even like peers peers not wanting to hold you to account for your mistakes because yeah they don't you don't want to be seen to be yeah being difficult right so in do so at this facility or at this retreat center is this something that typical people buy a package to or they buy into they they purchase a ceremony session or a few days there is that i mean it was just it was just a single single ceremony okay yeah okay really really i i wouldn't like i'm not i'm not recommending it quite clearly and i even i even know i even know that it's not appropriate to just do one ceremony even even if it's mushrooms Totally. Like, yeah, you need a day or two to then, yeah, come down from the experience and, yeah, be in a safe, well-held, yeah, container, I suppose. 
Absolutely. You need to be in like the womb for a little bit. You need to have that safety. So people find this place on the internet and they're like traveling in the area and they're like, oh, I want to experience this. So they can then purchase a one night uh, session, I guess. And then the next day they leave. Is that how it yeah, works? I mean, yeah, they, they were putting it out okay. on like Telegram. Right. And I think maybe okay. maybe like a poster on like WhatsApp and stuff as well. Got and it. Got it. Got it. We, we were like the core people i guess they we were like the friends that they'd invited right and then i think like two or three people were just like regular let's say hunters okay okay got it that's so interesting and obviously or it seems maybe it's not obvious uh that there was no there's no aftercare following this yeah right no of course of course not no yeah right. i mean it, it was like i think it was like a hundred bucks hundred bucks maybe 120 bucks each so yeah, no, there's no like subsequent aftercare or anything. I mean, the girl was like, even the next morning, she kind of like shrugged without looking at me in the eye and was like, yeah, like maybe you could uh, do some integration after this. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. You know, and it's interesting because when you are maybe somebody who's unfamiliar with this space, someone who's traveling, someone who gets this, you know, little flyer, you see it and you're like, wow, $120. This is a great deal to do what I want to do. Like this is so much more affordable than say a $5,000 week retreat in Nayarit. You know, it's a whole different, it's a whole different thing. And it seems much more accessible, but I guess you're getting what you pay for. Hey, babe, like I just saw this poster. I think it's my cooling. There's a mushroom ceremony tonight. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, no, I mean I'm that's not, the vibe. I'm one of the suckers. I'm one of the suckers that went. You know, I I recently went to Tulum. I went all around that area. I went on the Yucatan Peninsula. I was in Tulum. I was in Cancun. I was in Cozumel. I was all over that area. Oh. And there was this person that I found in just my daily travels who was offering an ayahuasca ceremony a one night ayahuasca ceremony for i think like 175 dollars is he the guy that has like the posters up around town he does well he has posters up around town but he also has a website and this like whole official looking website and you can find him online and it's not hard to find like it's very easy like if you were to look up like ayahuasca ceremonies in tulum like you might find this person and basically what happens is you purchase you show up there's no like proper assessment prior to getting like showing up to the facility there's no dieta there's no nothing you show up you do the medicine, I guess. I didn't do it, but this is I, how he explained it to me. You do the medicine, you spend the night, and then you leave the next day at 2 p.m. Yeah. Like, excuse me? There's so much. There's a lot that's wrong, obviously, with that format, specifically with ayahuasca. Yeah, you know. know about the Bufo Ivaria Sanctuary as well? 
I think so. I was staying in a hotel that the hotel next door was offering Bufo and had this whole, I think a sanctuary, like right next door associated with this hotel. Yeah. I, I mean, know. you, you go there and they will admit you straight off the bat to like serve you within like an hour's time. Yes. And then, you know, you're free to go like an hour after receiving the medicine after becoming God, like the, <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, right. Yeah. You, en you enter, you enter this, this extreme realm of, of consciousness where it seems like, you know, everything and understand everything like really on an ultra level. And then, you know, an hour later, you're in central Tulum getting hustled. <laughs> so true. And and they yeah. only charge, they only, I think they put up the prices recently, but I did a story on them for Vice and yeah, like two and a half years ago, I think they were charging like, you know, 200 bucks for a session. Whereas now I think it's like, you know, 300 and something. I think, I think so. I have it actually on my phone. I took a photo of the flyer because it was so mind blowing to me. At this hotel, they also offered uh, smoothies, and that's why I was there. I was there to get a smoothie that I couldn't get at my hotel because they didn't make smoothies. And it was hot. I wanted one. And then I saw the flyer and was like, smoothies and bufo? Sounds great. But I didn't, you know, I didn't do it because that wasn't, I just, yeah. In my experiences with bufo, that has, you know, drinking a smoothie and then going and doing bufo and then running to Chichen Itza is like not, the vibe funnily enough i sat in on a ceremony and the girl it was it was an irish couple she must have eaten like fairly recently she oh no like, projectile vomited on me stop it the guy didn't have any towels so sent me to go and get the towels also he'd like he was burning oh. kapow but he'd put bufo shards in like the I don't know what you call it like the the essential oil burner so like the whole the whole air in this teepee was like ufo smoke also that smells disgusting that smells terrible so I come back with the towels anyway and they do the rest of the ceremony and yeah it seems you know pretty strange but pretty like fairly nice on the whole but I check back in with them like a few weeks later and it turned out they had to leave the hotel that night. So they didn't have like a booking for the next day. And so they're like, oh, okay, well, we don't even want to stay in Tulum like for the rest of our time. Let's just go to Chichen Itza. Oh my God. They must have still been <laughs> like to some degree high. And and the girl sadly had a really, really intense experience. Like she was telling me then even a few weeks after that, that those two days she felt like everyone was looking at her, everyone was talking about her. Oh no. People were like conspiring about her. Oh this, no. That, this, that, and the other. That's sad. That sucks. That's so sad. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, she did say that with the passage of time, she had found herself worrying about things less. Mm. But yeah, being in the intensity of that sort of environment at like a. <laughs> Mayan archaeological site with thousands of people probably probably where, a bit overwhelming where it's hot and also 
recent years in Chichen Itza, they have invited a lot of people selling things to be on the grounds there. So you're also getting hustled there a lot. They're in your face. They're whistling at you. They have these whistles that sound like jaguars, like yelling, like growling at you. They have bird whistles, you know, all these things. And it's a whole thing. It's a whole, it's a whole vibe over there for sure. Different than how it was Mm -hmm. in maybe 2000 or 2001. Um, Yeah. See, I, I, the last place I would ever want to be post psychedelic experiences in the heat in Chichen Itza at, you know, a place where so much death and blood and just insanity took place there, potentially being able to kind of feel that energy and then people trying to sell things to you. I don't know. Those That's things chaos. are cool though, where they can just open that like leopard's mouth on that little toy and then they blow through it. And it does sound like, how a, one of these animals a, might might sound a jaguar a roar and if you the, the <laughs> yes and when you walk past them and you decide maybe that you you know don't want to look at their table or come and talk to them they'll blow it at you in like anger <laughs> yeah so i guess like coming back a little bit to the maps conference and Mm-hmm. Yeah, some people were saying there wasn't enough on kind of challenging experiences. And I met Jules Evans while I was there. And he's he's like an English author. And he started this challenging psychedelic experiences project where he's he's collating a lot of experiences for research. And he himself had like a super, super bad LSD trip when he was younger that, that took some time to come back from. And I know mm-hmm. that he works closely with a friend of mine who has hallucinatory persistent perception disorder yes and yeah they feel that 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 whole piece has has been overlooked and yeah they're really working to yeah throw more of a spotlight on this so people have a bit more awareness and yeah so these stories a bit like you know michael pollan's how to change your mind there wasn't any real like note of caution and yeah that does strike me as a little bit yeah strange even though folks are fighting against decades of reefer madness propaganda and part of the whole mission that that they've been on is kind of changing the narrative moving the dial but i think those days are over like you know the the dial has been shifted and and now it's time to have a kind of more um yeah wide-ranging conversation about about the effects on both sides because yeah some of the scare stories of the 50s and the 60s yeah some of them were true even even if it was a small minority of cases absolutely i think i think part of the reason why people have been so gung-ho on the positives of psychedelics is because obviously of the narrative that the drug war has helped create. And I think that prohibition obviously has brainwashed many people into believing that these substances are like, should be ostracized from our communities and that, you know, drugs are bad, straight up drugs are bad. So that's why, you know, maps and many other groups have worked so hard to change the narrative, as you have just said, but I think we're at, again, I think we're at a, at a place now where things are different 
And if we're not talking about challenging experiences and the repercussions of challenging experiences or just straight up bad trips, then we're not actually talking about the reality of these drugs, which causes a lot of problems and it will it will cause a lot of future problems too and it ostracizes people in the community or people who take these drugs and have these experiences because at the end of the day people need to learn how to do these substances safely as they need to learn how to do drugs safely in general whether they're psychedelics or not so i think it gets a little dangerous when we're only focusing on the positives and turning a blind eye to the negatives yeah, and I find that certain people are speaking about this in a very kind of academic way, and they actually haven't, I, I understand in certain cases, ever tripped themselves. Not that I think that's necessarily prerequisite to, you know, talking about psychedelics or working on psychedelic research or, or what have you. Yeah, I, I mean, that is a whole, that's a whole topic in itself, you know, the idea of whether these people who are doing the research or in therapy should be also using these substances to be able to then help others get through conditions, issues, etc. Honestly, I think that there's greater help that they can provide if they do understand that realm that they are tapping in, that they are helping others tap into. It's like uh, finding a tour guide who knows the city or something. It's like finding a tour guide who can guide you through the jungle safely. Without that, it can kind of get a little hairy, a little, if you don't know exactly where you're going or if you've only ever looked at a map or a study and you're like, oh, this is where it says we should go, but I'm not exactly sure if this is the exact route. And some I academics think... might have, yeah, financial interests, like they may be sponsored by um, psychedelic companies or may have interests in them themselves and be touting the benefits without much or any focus on the negatives. And they've never even used psychedelics. I mean, that's a pretty mind-boggling proposition, isn't it? It is. I mean, if, if it was anything else, if it was anything else, we would, like, you would never do that. If it was, I don't know, if it was food, if it was exercise, if it was anything, like, you wouldn't be talking about the benefits of a certain type of exercise or the way that a certain food made you feel if, you hadn't experienced it or the benefits of these things you would never do that yeah i mean a lot of people who who uh, i'm not even gonna say that i'm not even gonna say it um <laughs> yeah so yeah we covered a lot of ground i guess yeah is there anything else you feel we've missed i mean i'm pretty sure it's been a pretty rollicking ride for anyone anyone who's had the misfortune of tuning in tuning into us. <laughs> um, I, no, I think that we've pretty much hit the nail on the head on n a number of topics. This idea of set and setting can help mitigate a lot of challenging experiences, but I don't think it's a foolproof, you know, I don't think it's totally foolproof. I think that just because you tend to your set and setting, you can still have challenging experiences depending on what's going on around you, especially if you are using these substances at home. Granted, you're probably not going to be doing ayahuasca at home or like peyote at home or these other very massive big substances such as iboga, et cetera. But you might be doing mushrooms at home. You might be doing LSD at home. You might be taking MDMA at home, whatever. In those in those scenarios, it's a lot easier, I think, to have a challenging experience, a bad trip, 
and not really know what to do with yourself afterwards. And that's something that we all need to talk about and also take seriously on a greater level, on a, on a um, institutional level when we talk about psychedelics. I was reading recently and one person said that he thinks the solution is Dharma, Sangha, Buddha. So Dharma being kind of in deep interpersonal relationship with spirit or whoever, whatever it is that one has a conversation with. Sangha being community, like how we held. I'm quoting from Jules Evans's blog here. And then Buddha, like who's the guide? Who's guiding us through this? So having the consideration of, of those three things when when one's kind of approaching a, a psychedelic experience and then to integrate like the whole ram das piece you know because he he was literally just taking acid over and over again it sounded like but it was only when he really got into yoga and meditation that he was like oh this is the way to like sustain the good feeling that i get from lsd and i mean my meditation practice is pretty pretty patchy but i would say that's one of the one of the key things in my life right now that yeah i'm really keen on improving absolutely for me um meditation is extremely important but the like physicality of something like yoga is something that helps ground me post psychedelic experiences often like i live in los angeles and i am very wary of the medicine circles in and around here just because of the horror stories that I've heard. And I often use psychedelics in my own time at home or with my partner or with a friend or, you know, sometimes in smaller doses at music festivals. And it's easy sometimes for just my personality and me to feel kind of all over the place and, you know, come back from an experience, not really knowing what I learned, if I learned anything at all and feeling kind of like, wow, uh, afterwards yoga can help me kind of slow down bring back memories or things that have happened in in like during the psychedelic experience and kind of remind me about the nuggets of wisdom that otherwise I would have over overlooked or just passed altogether yeah so I was feeling like exactly the same in Mexico I was a bit skeptical about these medicine circles but I got sucked in Sounds sounds like you haven't yet. So congratulations. I Anyone mean... who's listening, if, you, <laughs> if you've got reservations, don't get sucked in. Just hold tight. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm waiting. That like what, your advice. I have. I'm doing that. I am waiting because I don't want to. I don't want to have a very scary experience because I've had scary experiences on my own. I've had scary experiences without drugs. I've had scary experiences on other drugs that people aren't supposed to have scary experiences on. So I am wary, obviously. And yeah, just want to make sure it's right. And ultimately, if I could join a community, that would be ideal. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not trying to join a cult either. All right. Well, yeah, hopefully this this podcast sounds a note of caution to folks out there. But yeah, also, yeah psychedelics could be super helpful absolutely i mean yes they are so helpful and done safely and responsibly i think yeah they're something that can really get you in touch with your own truth aho yeah amen to that amen <laughs>